You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. They let you in, huh? <laughs> I got... Uh... We had some technical difficulties over here in Poland, but the little, the little techno man right here, look at him, he figured it out. <laughs> but he had to, so I got his camera, his mic, and we're pretending I'm on here. Yeah, so I don't know. Wow, so yeah. uninterrupted for an hour. God bless us, everyone. Yeah, exactly. What, uh, what's it like over there? Give me, uh, give me the deets. You know, it's very, uh, Did you see me in the stands? The yeah, yeah. The, no. the two hot dogs, the bowl of uh, popcorn, and a beer. It was popcorn. Yeah, it was popcorn. Yeah. They didn't serve alcohol there, but anyways, uh, yeah, it was. No, it was pretty neat. They actually got to play in the soccer stadium, so that was fun. Um, but from your ancestry here, is very interesting. Yeah, we did get. Uh, we got a chance to go through Auschwitz as well, Ooh. which was very. Uh, very interesting. It's heavy um, on the heart, that one is. Yeah. Have you been there? I have not. No, I, I've uh, pretty extensively researched the topics, though, and it, it uh, man, it's it's tough. Yeah, so did I. And, but until you actually see it, then <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, yeah, it, it, it makes you it makes you want to cry. I mean, it, it's really yeah. it, it's heart wrenching for sure. The thing, the thing was, I mean, just in Auschwitz alone, there was there's a couple of the camps. But the one, which is number two, Auschwitz two, I mean, that had to be Nick. Wouldn't you say that was a hundred acres? Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I mean, it was, and a lot of it got destroyed. They tried to, I mean, they wrecked, the, they blew up the gas chamber, and they tried burning down some of the stuff before they were able to able to save some of it. But I mean, there was like hundreds of like old chimneys, like just lined up in the fields, and. Yeah, it was it was crazy. I mean, to see like you, you'd see like the old pictures of them digging these ditches, and then you could see the ditches, and it was just yeah. Somehow, yeah, the old Victor Prochetsky, my uh, great grandfather, thank him for uh, being insightful enough to get out of there before all that happened. Oh, really? That's the only reason why we're here, man. We haven't been here that long, um, yeah. you know. But so what city? Ask him what city. What city were you in? Uh, Minsk. Minsk. Belarus. That's, yes. that's uh, Belarus. Yeah, that's yeah, it, it was at one time, I believe, when we were there, they called it Poland. Now it, I believe, is Belarus. Yeah. It's been Russia before. It's been, I mean, that that uh, that country has been poked on, beat up, and punched quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. How do you like my new camera angle here, Andy? It's, it's kind of really, like the... it really makes you look stunning. Thank you. <laughs> I can't believe. I mean, this is like really clear. I mean, all my cameras are like 
cracked and i mean if we we put on mine you can barely even see it i said it looked I, I would say at least 10 years younger for sure oh, totally totally yeah. but that is i mean the you know here uh expense wise um it's a pla good place to go with inflation i'll tell you that um so give, had, give me uh, a couple quick examples like what you go out for dinner is it four dollars or is it you know twenty dollars or what do you well let's just say that i had um Two, two beers, uh, like a barbecued rib dinner kind of thing, and a, a Diet Coke. And after it's all done and said, it was like $17. Jeez. Yeah, so it was pretty, I mean, it's it's pretty. Oh, but then there's no tipping either. You know, and tipping, you know, adds 20% onto your bill. So it's very, it's very, it's, it's a very interesting place. It's really nice. Um, people are. People are not like you don't feel one bit afraid. I'll tell you that. So they they do not live in fear. No, no. Oh. I think they've been through everything here. So I, so off a little here. back on a topic though. Did you have any chances to look at any kind of real estate investments there? Or how it's does that work over there? I was telling Nick um, that I think it was just yesterday. I'm like, you know, I haven't seen a sign, a real estate sign anywhere. And uh, he said, oh, I've seen a couple, but I didn't notice anything around here. Um, and no, didn't do really anything real estate wise as far as uh, Poland is concerned. I have a kid that's over here that's always trying to think we should be buying in Italy or Brazil or whatever. But uh, I don't know. Poland is Poland, I think, is weathers a lot like Minnesota weather. So I don't think it would be a destination spot i'll say weird that. uh weird funny thing though that the my my ancestry they were they raised they actually raised polish arabian horses they had big estates out in the country and then they they dabbled in the vodka business weird wow yeah no i i looked at like where nick lives i mean they have i think it was set up for like a one-bedroom apartment but they it's him and another uh, american that plays football and uh I think basically have a bedroom, a small kitchen, and a small bathroom. So I don't, I don't know. Don't forget I, that that uh, jersey for us, Chris. Yeah, well, I had I, at that event they had all of this stuff, and I went up there to buy it, and I didn't have schlatties. Is that Nick? Is yeah, yeah schlatties. And I only had credit card because they use credit card for everything, and that's the first thing they didn't take. So he's trying uh, to talk to the manager because I have to. I actually leave. Um, tonight, I'm going to end up sleeping in the airport. Wow. Biostocks, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. But anyways. Well, at least you got a chance to go out there and see what it's all about. I've never done that. I've wanted to always try it and yeah. do it. And uh, yeah, you got I'm a perfect glad. excuse. I'm glad I did, but I missed what's happened in the market. So I, I am getting, we had a couple things sell, sell while I was gone. So that was nice. But uh, how was everything else going? Uh, well, the Fed wasn't kidding. They did raise rates uh, three quarters of a percent. Um, so the markets have been going crazy the last couple hours, up and down, and or down and up. Actually, they're bouncing back. But you know, everybody's screaming recession, recession, and that they don't know if these rate hikes will do much good or not. But I'll tell you, when it comes to showings, it has really slowed down, Chris. It. Uh, I just listed a couple this week where it's the first time I've listed a house in years where we don't have showings. Um, booked when we're actually going active and you know so 
But we, we, you know, it's really cool though. Some of the technology that's there that helps me feel better about what we're doing is that we can see now they call it the dashboard on the MLS. So when a real estate agent sets somebody up on a search, we can see that our property meets the criteria for that search. So we know that people are seeing it. We can see how many people have opened it. We can see if the agent has opened it. We don't see their name, but we can see that, hey, you know, 35, 40, 50 agents have opened this. So we know if it's a, a good property to market to other agents. And then we also, more importantly, can see if they've been putting it as their favorites. So that means usually their showing's on its way. And uh, so, but then we did an open house last night, had a couple people come through, um, you know, anticipating it's a little slower of a, a market right now with all these people kind of anticipating things, right? They're kind of, I think the, the summer distractions and a little bit of market fears um, are just giving us kind of a combo this week. And God bless America, by next week, we'll forget all about it and it'll be back to normal. But, um, you know, for right now, I think we're seeing a little bit of a, a, a squeeze. Yeah, well, I think you're exactly right. It's what's going to happen is that people just got to get used to it. They're going to get used to the new normal. It's going to it's going to hit them hard. But when you start seeing stats like, you know, you could afford, you know, three months ago, four months ago, you could afford 200,000 more home for the same amount of price. I mean, that starts getting a little that that's a hit. That's a smack. right? Well, you know, but I've got a young couple that we're working with that just moved back from Colorado and their perspective on life is so refreshing. They're like, interest rates don't matter to us at all. Our goal is to put, you know, 40% down. We've been saving for eight years. We're putting 40% down and we're going to have our house paid off in 10 years anyway. So the rates to us don't make a, a long-term bit of difference. And they appreciate that, you know, like affordability. They, they don't want to start with an $800,000 pile of, of whatever to, to pay off. They want to start with a 400 or a 350. And, and they know that realistically they can have it paid off in their, in their allotted amount of time. I'm seeing more people now that, I, and I'm telling you, Chris, it's the Gen Zs that watch the Gen Xs suffer, I believe, back in 2006, 7, 8, 9, where their parents were losing houses. They're, they're educated. They're smart. They still want to own houses, but they're owning them on financial uh, gains where they're putting big deposits. They're securing low interest rates. Their goal is to pay the house off, not just live in it and live in the payment like we've talked about for years. They're living in the price. And really an interesting strategy because if you pay everything off, you have no debt. Life's pretty easy. Yeah. No, that's for sure. But we've all been trained. Debt, debt, debt. Buy this. Put it on payments. Buy that. Put it on payments. You have to have a credit score. You, you don't have to have a credit score if you pay cash for everything. I was you know? just saying, you know, Nick does that one podcast as well. And there's a little something on there that uh, people are financing pizzas, you know, that you can finance your, your okay. pizza, that Domino's pizza. I mean, <laughs> come on. So well, that, that, about, person, that person's comfortably on the slope to bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. They won't change their lifestyle. They still need to live it. And as long as they have credit, they'll spend it. So interesting experiment there for, for Domino's. Yeah. No, it's good. Awesome. Well, there, Andy, you just said it right there. Fed delivers the biggest interest rate hike in decades to combat uh, our little inflation that's happening here. So, yeah. yeah. That, uh, well, and, you know, remember, Chris, I mean, and I know you know this, but just to remind the, the kind of the viewers and listeners, the uh, just because we have a rate hike doesn't necessarily mean that rolls directly over to interest rates on Mortgages. So there are other factors that go into that. And, and a lot of our lenders, 
banks, if you will, have already anticipated this rate hike and have already adjusted their pricing ahead of time, like four months ago. And so that's why rates jumped up so fast four months ago on interest um, for, for mortgages. And so now, you know, it'll be interesting to see this morning. I haven't had a chance to check yet where the mortgage rates are at based on that jump, but I'm sure they'll jump up and then they relax the next day and, you know, and then they bounce around, but. Yeah, you kind of get to get to play with them. But I think what's interesting, too, is that I'm starting to see different um, programs that we used to do quite a bit a long time ago uh, starting to come back where we, had, you know, buy down the interest rates, um, yep. taking maybe a little higher rate even and then not paying closing costs to wait for them to kind of uh, reshuffle a little so you can refinance and uh, getting sellers to pay closing costs that's going to start to happen again. Um, so there's a lot of uh, little programs. I mean, I, I think banks are going to get more involved, um, you know, because not Freddie and Fannie, they can kind of use uh, portfolio products, get you maybe some better rates and stuff. So I think it's going to definitely be uh, interesting. I was always talking about the whole inventory thing and, you know, not enough inventory, but I mean, if we lose quite a few buyers and, you know, the inventory starts matching what buyers we have out there. Well, yeah, that's going to be a problem. But I, I, I believe that, worry too. I mean, I, because it's still it's still going good. I'm with you. I think that that's that's exactly what is happening right now, Chris. Is that people are adjusting to the new normal, right? So the as as they have four hundred dollars less of spending money per month, and they still need to buy a house, and they're out there because there, there's people that want to buy houses, and there's people that need to buy houses. Right. You know, your, your uh, physical needs are different now. So you need one level living or, you know, you you have more children or you have you maybe mom and dad moving back in or the kids moving back in with mom and dad. And so you need more space um, the, the that will continue the market moving. There's still even with the people getting out of the market, I still think there's enough demand for housing um, because of the shortages we've had. I mean, we've been building well and everybody says, oh, you're crazy. You know, we're building so many houses. We're still well beneath what statistically they need to fulfill for housing. And people are stacking their cocooning, whatever you want to call it, where you've got, you know, multi-generational housing happening all over the place. And, you know, assuming that not everybody needs to have their own individual home, but statistically each, you know, family with their direct children are considered a family, right? So, um, and then mom and dad and extra kids, this is all new to the equation, but they're, they're still saying we're short. So, the, the, I think the biggest challenge, Chris, is to resolve all of this. They're they're building more apartments, um, and then they're also at the same time they're trying to build single family homes and townhouses. Well, again, remember last week or the week before, I was telling you guys I was out looking at townhouses in Maple Grove, out uh, off of uh, what is that out there, Bass Lake Road and 101, and the townhouses were in the 500s for townhouses, and and you know, and then you look at the new houses in that area, they start at 800. And go up from there. So it's like new construction is is kind of started to dominate the top of the upper middle class, you know. So anyway. All right. Well, guess what, Andy? What? This next, I, I've been told by our producer, who's <laughs> who's flipping away on his little computer, that the next segment is brought to you by Andy Prasky at Remax Advantage Plus and the Preferred Home Team. Well, they said I could have 30 seconds on the show for a quick ad. Andy Prasky, Remax Advantage Plus, Andy at Prasky.com if you want to email us. 
Here's the thing, 22 years in the business, over 1,400 sales, I'd like to help you with your real estate needs. If that's buying, if that's selling, if that's building, whatever it is, give us a call, send us an email. Let's get you started on your real estate journey. I'd like to help you on the way. Uh, lots of experience here, and I uh, would like to put it to work for you. Andy Prasky, REMAX Advantage Plus, thanks for listening to the show. You know, you kept trying to do your own commercials, and I, I missed that one. I like the little car flying through there. Yeah. I Those sound effects happen in my head all the time, too. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Well, we're going to do some real estate memes. All right. Pretty soon, we're going to be able to do these ourselves, Andy. We're going to record ourselves doing these. No. That's what I'm thinking. Huh. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we gotta do uh, that again because I gotta read it. Um, what does it say? First time home buyers uh, compete with hedge funds to buy a house with some funny faces. Yeah, that girl, I've seen her. Little baby girl. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's true. There's, um, I think I saw something that 20% of the home buyers um, were institutions or they were investors, supposedly, but how they, how they, um, I think it was Redfin. I think actually we're going to talk about that today. But um, Redfin was saying that an investor, how they determine if it's an investor is if there's an incorporated, a corporation, a trust, or something that says homes in the in the buyer's name. So, you know, a lot of people buy homes and trusts. So it might not be super right on, but 20% uh, of institutions or investors buying the houses is pretty crazy. That was uh, 2012, if I remember the stats were correct. They were very similar, even a little more aggressive than that. Almost 28% at one time was all investor-based. A lot of that was Warren Buffett's group, you know, the uh, H2. Um, and uh, they, they called themselves H2 Homes or whatever it was. But anyway, they, they were, um, for years, uh, buying houses. And, and here's something to think about, guys and gals that are listening if you have institutions investing into the housing market right now and you're competing against them, what does that tell you about where they think the direction of the market's going to head? Tell us. I, uh, well, I believe that they, they feel that there's going to be solid appreciation for the next three to five years is what they can forecast. I think a lot of bigger investors like the fact that interest rates are going up a little bit. It makes more people eligible to buy in the housing market, become part of the homeownership um you know, um, process. And, and I think that there's also um, upside there. So when, when they look at that and they look at, you know, like the, how many people need to rent versus, you know, credit scores and whatever else, that's something you and I don't talk about a lot. But when you look at national credit scores and you look at like some of the cities like Houston, Texas that have an average credit score that's around, you know, 580, which is like, that means there's a lot of people down there not paying their bills. And, and so they become renters by bad habits um, you know, and, and so then you look at some of the areas like Minneapolis where it's in the, I don't remember, it was close to 700 and, you know, and anything over 700 is pretty close to perfect. So, um, it's not a perfect score for those of you that are the, the engineer brains, it's not a perfect score, but it's it, in the eyes of a creditor, you're, you're considered to be really good. So, um, yeah, anyway, yeah so it's something to think about. So they're, they're anticipating people having consumer credit issues in the future. They're assuming that that, uh, pocket's going to appreciate, um, you know, a lot of things that happened too, Andy, was there's a lot of people like myself that started, you know, had been in rentals for a long time. And the onesie, twosie, tensie, thirdsie, 
30s people started dumping them because they were able to get out of them uh, and get their money back and just kind of beat up over the last 15, 15 years uh, sure. in the rental market. And there's there was no, there's no rentals left. And so there's a definite need for rental properties. So yep. they're grabbing them for that as well. Never ask a woman her age, a man his salary, an agent how old their headshot is. <laughs> uh, we're, hey. we're we're the different ones. We're on here every single week showing people what we look like. I have to get different cameras, though, to make me look younger, like you said. Yeah, I, I have filters we can put on there for you, Chris. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My daughter goes, she goes, you, could, you can uh, do anything you want. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to look like that guy. Yeah. Yeah, it is funny when you do see the cards, though, and you're, you know, and you finally meet them, and they, when you meet them, and they're surprised you don't know who they are. It's like, well, hey, I mean, this totally looks totally different than what you look like. Well, you know, especially if you're changing your hair color, hairstyle, um, the, the whole point of putting your picture on there is to connect with people, right? So the, I think I know that person, or I've seen that person before. It, it, you know, and so then all of a sudden you show up, you don't look anything like your picture. What's the point then of putting a picture on your card? You might as well not put a picture on your card and actually have nothing on there. And, you know, but yeah. back in the day, that was the way they, they said people would connect with you. They don't know your name from church, but they remember your, your face. And so they'll use you because, you know, or whatever the affiliation or school or whatever. Right. Yeah. Always remember the greener grass on the other side of the fence may be due to a septic tank issue. <laughs> so uh, true. That's a good one. Oh my gosh, that's funny. You know, a lot of uh, counties have different requirements in regards to septic um, certifications when you sell. So you don't, it, not in all of them that you have to do it. You don't have to do it. Um, there's some that require testing all the time. There's some that, hey, if you don't have a problem, there's no problem. And uh, sometimes you can get tested and a uh, problem can come up and you can be on a time clock too to be able to get it fixed. So it's not, uh, and I think there's a lot of people that, um, you know, typically a lot of times acreage is more expensive and, and agents move from county to county uh, showing these houses and they don't really know the rules. And sometimes you can kind of hurt your buyer, such as. You decide to have a septic certification done or ask for one and the agent's like okay we can we can do it everything works and everything's fine but you bring that up and all of a sudden the county now says you got to have that replaced in five or ten years and at that point i mean what was happening was that you know what i'm not going to do it it's you're it's going to be put on you and so from a buyer perspective you just put yourself on the clock where you didn't have to be able to put yourself on the clock it could have worked in your favor um, we saw that a few times because it, it, it'll probably start coming back now, but you know, bad wells or, or not wells, but if the water is bad, I mean, you can, you can do things for that. But if the septic is bad, I mean, the septic's going to cost you 25, maybe $30,000. And there's no, I, I would think uh, a seller, well, I know sellers in this market, we're just saying, forget it. You know, you've got five or 10 years on that thing. you put one in when you're ready in which to be able to do it. So you got to just kind of be careful with that. Amen. Mm. I always say an ounce of prevention is worth, uh, you know, a bucket of remedy because you, you sit there and you have these people that are coming at you when they want to buy a house 
they don't want the mystery of does does this work? Does this test clean? Does this, you know what I mean? So I'm listing one. I've actually got a new one coming in Andover on acreage and very proactive, getting the septic tested up front. And remember this, ladies and gentlemen, just because your toilet's flush and it doesn't bubble up in your yard or turn your yard green does not mean necessarily that you're compliant. You know what I'm saying? So when you have a situation where you've been living there, especially if it's a, you know, a, a couple in there, <clears throat> there's two people living there and the house was four bedroom house. The, that septic system is oversized for two people um, intentionally because they always have to size it for how many bedrooms and whatever. But long story short, um, that, that leaves you with the, is it compliant? And you want to make sure it's compliant because it can be very expensive to fix. You might want to adjust it. And then if, if it happens during negotiations, Chris, what happens? You and I both know what happens. It ends up becoming a negotiating chip because now you have to negotiate the $30,000 problem versus saying, hey, we put a brand new septic in and setting your price accordingly, right? If you do it up front, it's a value. It's a proactive value added item. If you don't do it, um, you know, it becomes a problem. And speaking of septic systems, this septic system uh, is brought to you by Chris Rooney with uh, the home experts. <laughs> I was just one years old when my family started in real estate where both my parents were agents. They also dabbled in investing in real estate, rentals, flips, and construction. After college, I went right into getting my license in July of 1990. As a 23-year-old agent in an industry that looks nothing like today, I had to know more for my clients to choose me. There wasn't Zillow or social media to tell them how good I was. I had to win them over with knowledge. With knowledge comes confidence, and with confidence comes results. Oh, I I apologize in advance. Oh, that was funny. You guys have your sound off or you're just not talking to me? Uh, now I do. Um, I'm, my technical producer is doing that. But uh, here you go, Andy. Look at look who's laying off people. Right um, Red fans. Yoo-hoo, baby! Whoa. <laughs> Red fin is laying off some people. You know, you've always had some comments on that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> what do you have to say about that? Um, well, this is a, a company that is salary heavy and not driven based on performance. And so when you have the statistics of saying, hey, there's less business on the way, um, they need to size their business appropriate for the commodity service that they provide. So if you want commodity service, it's probably a fantastic outfit for you. Um, and and I, mean that, I mean that sincerely. For all the people that wanted to streamline real estate and it doesn't matter how good you are at your job, you just need somebody to open up the doors, that, that's what this is. And they don't have enough business coming in to keep paying salaries for all the people that are sitting there waiting for the app to ring and say, hey, somebody wants a showing. You know, so they, they just have to lay people off. Same thing with Compass, I think, had the same uh, challenge this week where they they were pulled off the uh, New York Stock Exchange um, because their their uh, values are so low. Oh, you did? I didn't hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Compass was uh, pretty, pretty uh, run by Red Redkin or something like that. This guy, young guy, super sharp. Uh, they had tons of money. They'd come into marketplaces and they would buy. I mean, Chris, you, you and I heard these stories where they were coming in and offering like some of these big teams a half a million dollars um, to move their whole team over. And then 
they'd give them free advertising agency like service in the brokerage. And so they could just sit back and be the rock star salesperson. And they were they were backed up by a, a very expensive, obviously top heavy um, advertising machine. And it that also this week, uh, if you if you Google it, it, they had some trouble, laid out a ton of people off and they were pulled off the stock exchange. Wow. I, yeah. I didn't hear that. I know they're they're just starting to make a, a mark in the Twin Cities, too. They started coming here. I know they were yeah. kind of focusing on each of the coasts and uh, on the bottom there. And I didn't I hadn't heard that at all. Right. So. Well, that's OK. You know, and the thing is, is that I'm not I think that what more or less I'm trying to say is that it, it just it has a situation where. Here's a company trying to do something different. And this is this is kind of the problem with real estate, Chris. Um, is that, you know, you, you sit there and we keep wanting to evolve the, the industry and change it, but it keeps coming back to good agents, help people make good decisions, and they keep going back to what works. And this is a situation of where, you know, you, you can't, you know, put the target spin on real estate necessarily, where it's cool merchandising, cool, you know, hip ads, and then people come in and just buy it like a commodity. Real estate is not a commodity, guys. And, and I think that that'll continue any company that glamorizes the commodity side of this industry. Um, it, it, I think there's room for those kind of companies, but at a different pay structure. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't pay a company that's a discount, you know, salary based, uh, somebody 7% and all of their business models are based off getting paid six or 7%, you know, um, and, and that's just not where it's at. I mean, an agile agent on their feet, you know, somebody that can is independent, like, you know, again, not to toot Remax's horn, but Remax empowers agents to be independent and they can make business decisions that are right for their clients and, you know, set rates at different fees and do different programs. That's where I see the value. That's why I've been with Remax for 22 years. I'm not plugging them because um, I pay rent to be there. I'm just saying it because it provides the tools that I see my customers needing. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously both uh, with Remax. Um, Remax is interesting because it is, we're, yeah. we're totally separate, different companies. But we yep. both have um, the Remax brand behind both of us. So, um, gosh, I've been doing it. God, I can't believe, but I'm going on my ninth year with Remax. It's yep. been 23 years at the other one, and it just seems like that's crazy. I, that's you know what, though? I love Realty House, though, too. I thought <laughs> for a, a boutique, you know, local-owned, um, what a fun, great company and, and great people and you know, I, I always enjoyed, you know, whenever we'd swing in there and have meetings or whatever, I always enjoyed that office too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Um, anyways, uh, I, uh, you know, I do that realty house is funny because there's a lot of us that left the realty house, almost, um, 40 of us. And so the company kind of went almost in half at that time, but they're still going. Still yeah. doing a, a, a good job. I think Garth is still over there. Good. Garth Johnson, yeah. I, I saw him throwing a house. him on the show. I know. I almost fell over. I had a, a showing request from a Garth Johnson at the Realty House. I'm like, what? I mean, Garth was the big, huge monster um, oh, foreclosure yeah. specialist, and he did so many listings of, of foreclosures. Obviously, those went away. He's still a realtor, but I just, I just thought it was like, oh, my God, Garth is showing a house. I think this was awesome. I, th I thought, honestly, I thought he was going to retire. I really did move up to the lake and, yeah. and call her good. And, and he's he's still uh, probably, he was a cool dude. You know what I mean? So I'm sure he's loving life and enjoying the business. And Andy, what, Andy, what do you think of some of the other, um, our brands within uh, 
the industry? Do you think they're going to ever survive or? Do you I do. You know, yeah. you look at like Cold Little Banker, Burnett or CBB, um, they were bought out by a, a bigger firm um, a few years back. And so what's cool for that is they have that boutique feel. Um, you know, they, they are a lot of times, you know, Coldo Banker is affiliated with their high end products. Um, they're real expensive, you know, luxury homes. Um, and, and that's perfect. I mean, that's fine. That is a, a niche that needs to be, uh, fulfilled. And, and I think that they're with some of their national tools that they've been brought to the table. I think agents can thrive there. I really do. It's just a matter of, you know, how many people do you need in that luxury market, but it's a, um, uh, a, a growing uh, NRG, I think they're called now or something like that. But um, other companies that are out there, you know, the the Kellers that are out there, great agents too, very independent, um, really built on a building of a, a team kind of a model. Um, you know, a lot of them where there's a big portion of their their pitch to agents is education and, and constantly training, um, you know, and they their agent count is through the roof, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know. And, and, and those are some of the big players out there. Edina, you know, again, uh, big firm. I still do a ton of business. It's weird. You know, out of all the years, you thought that, you know, the realty houses, the Edina realties, the world will go away. But Edina is, I believe, part of the bigger, one of the big uh, national, again, um, housing organizations. And they kept their name locally because it was so strong. It was such a good brand. And um, they're all Berkshire, Berkshire Hathaway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They've yeah. got a lot of agents. Edina still does. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a great firm. Again, I think it's a it's a great place. They they again have figured out what their value is to the to the marketplace and continue to thrive and survive. And um, the one thing that I always thought was really odd to me was they used to be very real estate dominant. Like they had the big, cool real estate, you know, building on the corner in every small town. Mm-hmm. And then Austin, that went away, and I, I didn't understand that business strategy. But they've, th- you know, still survived and thrived. And and uh, but I, you know, there's a lot of great companies out there. But it really comes down to you finding an agent that has the resources behind them that fits your needs the best when you're interviewing agents. You know what I mean? And so it's the agent that does all the work. It's not the brokerage. The brokerage provides the tools. You still, it's like having your own farm. The brokerage gives you the tools to do the farming necessarily or to take care of your crops. But you ultimately, how hard of a worker are you? Makes a big difference on the outcome of the success of your of your efforts. Yeah, that's the one thing about Minnesota too that's unusual, really, in throughout the United States, is that we have a lot of big brokerages here, um, yeah. and a lot of the other parts of the United States are very small. There are lots of independent tech companies that are out there. So yeah, um, that's true. We're just a little different that way. Mm-hmm. All right, producer, what am I supposed to say? Social reacts. Oh, or social media. Something in Polish. Social media reacts. That's in Polish. Oh, yeah. Would you like uh, There is something I said in Polish. Um, was thank you. Um, Chikwea. 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 I keep forgetting it. And they my, laugh my, grandpa, my grandpa used to every once in a while whip some Polish out. And uh, we did him with spaghetti, but that's all the Polish we ever had around our house, really. Hey, now I know why they put pictures uh, on menus, Andy. Back in the U.S., you know, I know you want to see it, but boy, that's so much easier to order in over here. I just said, give me that, whatever that picture is, I'll take it. They're like, like, are you sure? Nobody's yeah, ever they ordered have to that. Come away around the counter and then kind of look up. It's kind of, it's very interesting. Oh, or hey, I, I want what that person's eating. So yeah, yeah, it's very. Interesting.
His his creditors are also dancing because they're finally getting paid back all the money owes them. Yeah, uh, that meme for our radio listeners or Spotify or what else are we on next? Every platform. Every platform. We're on every platform, but that was basically a commercial agent dancing to the street after one of his deals closed after waiting 10 years for it to happen. Jeez. If you take a little longer, you definitely get paid a lot more, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's quite a process to go through. A lot more complicated than just uh, buying a house. We'll Ten say. years is a long time, though. That that deal must have fell through five or six times. You know yeah. what I mean? Waiting for the interest rates to change and go back, and yeah, it's like. So, tell me what's been bothering you lately. I just saw something at a house the other day, doctor, and I just, I just don't know how to unsee it. Isn't that how they do it in Europe, Chris? Yeah, why? Well, I mean, everyone has a tub in the kitchen. I mean, geez. Kitchen, laundry room, and a tub in the kitchen? That's why you can you can get your kids cleaned up and cook a meal real quick and do the laundry. Did you see the washer and dryer was right there, too? Oh. Yeah. That's called an efficiency. Nick, that's good. Nick, was that a photo of your place right there? Close. That was close. You wouldn't have that big of a tub. Oh, that's awesome. So... They don't know about those walk-in shower things, Andy, that are so popular in the U.S. They're just a little tighter. There's I think they no, like to conserve no, uh, water or something. They want you out of them. Get in and get no, out. Uh, there's no translatable word for privacy over there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, that's another story <laughs> I have. Yeah, yeah I, Ma, just go ahead and jump in the tub while I'm making some uh, dinner over here. <laughs> well, I had um, – I was going downstairs to my little – the little wellness thing, and it has, it has a sauna, a steam shower – a salt cave and a hot tub. Yeah, so I'm going down there and I'm I see through the steam of this steam shower. I'm like, okay, um, there's someone there. It looks like an older guy. Um, and uh, I'm getting closer because it's all out in the open, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, good. They have there's underwear on. There's a, but it was not it was not a man. It was a woman, completely stretched out. Like what? Talk about realtor therapy. I might need that too. I'm like, where, where the heck am I? Did you hear that? Uh, you Nick's like, what's the, Winky? Nick's like, what's the big deal? I mean, that's what they do around here. I'm like, well, I, let's just say I'm not used to that. So you didn't push anything up against a glass window, did you? There was plenty to see. <laughs> Sorry about that, ma'am. I just don't fit in here very well. <laughs> Hello, is, are you really doing that? You know, kind of thing. But the weird thing was, your arms were like completely stretched out like this. It was just like, what? What is going on? Why so, is your leg in the air, Chris? You're yeah. stretching out. Yeah. If you're up like this, you're like. <laughs> I started doing jumping jacks. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <clears throat> okay, back to real estate. Hey, this is my morning routine as someone with top producer in their bio. The spoke suit from Macy's, love it. Fits beautifully. Hair gel, super important. I exude success. Fear me. Uh, this is my watch collection. It's valued at just under $500. I know. Get this Armani, beautiful. Spent $80 on that. 
light brown patent leather Alfani shoes, $19.99. I buy them by the dozen. Then I make cold calls and, uh, you know, just trying to make it all happen. Give me a call if you want to buy real estate. <laughs> I can't say nothing. I uh, That was my bio. That was... Was there a proper amount in there, Andy, of hair gel? He was, he was a little aggressive on the gel, yeah. He was aggressive. He was. Uh, that was a good one. You just got to cut your hair shorter. You don't need as much gel then. Yeah. How can't you like that guy? Hair gels and watches. That's Andy. Andy, are you a watch guy? Yes. Oh, you are. I do. In my, uh, in my closet at home, I have my $500 display watches. And uh, the I have we have a closet system in our in our our uh, walk-in closet, and um, I just for whatever reason I just put all my because I never wore I like watches and I didn't I couldn't see them because they're all in a drawer. So then I put them on those watch holder things, you know. So now it looks like I'm a watch dealer. As you walk into our closet, it's like whoa. Then you realize there's not a watch on there that's over fifty bucks, and then you're like, oh, that's too bad. I don't I don't ever remember you wearing a watch i don't i guess i don't look too close but i, I like watches I, I i used to always you know what it was honestly i'm very balanced so if i have one ring i have to have another ring if i have a watch i used to wear a, a gold bracelet and i haven't wore a gold bracelet in in years that's good years. that's good <laughs> no but I, I wore a pretty big one it was it was nice and thick and heavy it was a nice looking you know you know what i'm talking about those kind of yeah you got to bring it back. You got to get a chain and everything. Unbutton, unbuttons. Yeah, unbutton your shirt a little, couple extra. No, none of that's gone away. It's all been clean and stored for when it does come back. Come back. I like it. Awesome. I'm ready. All around me are familiar faces, worn out places, worn out faces. <laughs> that's funny. That's been... Uh, it's a bent way of uh, having some issues uh, after losing offers. We just I just lost one uh, yesterday. It was multiple offers, and uh, we ended up losing. But uh, it is. It's always one of those that it's just like, oh, man. You know, because you, you feel so bad for your client. You know, not necessarily as the agent. They're going to end up buying something else. And, and they typically, they'll find uh, what works for them. And But it's just, it is. It's kind of a melancholy type moment for for sure hopefully you know like with the with things relaxing a little bit now not every property but they'll they'll still be the hot properties but the um you know we'll, it, i think it's actually if you're listening to this it is a good time today this week next week probably to get into the back end of the market because i think things are kind of slowing a little bit so if you were fatigued before and you know what these all the news that's been happening and all the crazy things there might be a real nice window of opportunity where there's not a lot of people shopping with you. So you could probably secure the deals and, and uh, you know, get the property, which I'm not saying they're going to give them away because people aren't going to start giving away their houses, but you'll be able to get a property that you want. Yeah, that's um, you're 100% right. And I think there's some sellers that are going to be out there that are going to get really nervous over this. And well, I've already started to see it. I've seen, I've seen where people call me and say, I don't want to miss the top of the market. I want to sell. It's like, yeah. well, what do you mean the top of the market? Yeah. You know, yeah. and that, that strategy, what happens? It takes, it, it always fails. I, you know, when people well, try to time any market, it, it's horrible. We were, we all remember the worst, the worst time ever was 2008, right? 
it was going to be the worst thing. We were selling houses all the time in 2008. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, uh, I mean, it took a little longer, but things are still going to sell and they're going to sell if they're good. But I think that um, I got a little uh, taste of that as I was coming over here. I obviously had some preconceived notions of what I was going to see in Poland. Um, I didn't quite believe everything Nick was telling me. One of it was, is that, I mean, we're, we're right next to a, a war. I mean, yeah. supposedly, a supposed war that's going on. And um, th there's just not one sign of that. And not one area that I'm afraid to, to walk through. Or, I mean, and that's just kind of like this whole real estate thing. It's just social media and news. I mean, it's just, it's the worst thing ever. It's the worst thing for society. Because it's, a, you can't, there's nothing you can believe anymore. So you got to get out there and see it yourself. And then some people, the people that are in it and seeing it, um, understand it. Nothing you can believe except this show. This show's yeah. real. Well, it is. I mean, because we're telling you what's happening. I mean, at, really on a weekly type basis. And, you know, a lot of the news is, especially with stats, when stats come into play, I mean, that's a month later. So it's already been done. So we, we saw it was slowing down, that things things were happening, but the prices weren't getting uh, hit. Now, yeah, were we getting less buyers? Yeah, we certainly were. But um, trying to time the market and make it, hey, it's the top of the market, it's the bottom of the market, it's never going to happen. It's never going to work. We, uh, we, I've noticed this last week here, too. The um, I'm part of the, uh, the um, Ramsey, uh, Ramsey Trusted, so Dave Ramsey, the national debt, reduction guy. Um, I'm one of his trusted agents, right, in the Twin Cities. And so well, all that means is that we're trained on their philosophies and strategies and whatever. And so I've been watching a lot of his recent posts. And, and he's been talking about how housing, even to his people who are very conservative, he's saying it's time to buckle down and go buy that house. It, you know, avoid mortgage insurance if you can, put your 20% down, put it on a 15-year mortgage if you can. Um, but if you're a first-time buyer, get in the market with a 5% or a three and a half percent, you know, down. Um, Cause he said, I think in five years, you'll look back and really appreciate that you did. And the cost of money will be more expensive. The cost of the houses will be more expensive and that take advantage of this lull in the marketplace to really, you know, um, get out there and get, get your uh, name on a property. Yeah. So, I think the one good thing maybe of a little slowdown recession, whatever you want to call it is that, a lot of these people won't have time to be thinking about all these stupid things that are coming out and happening. The things that we worry about, you're going to have to start worrying about, you know, how to buy your next, you know, vehicle versus, you know, what all the crap that's, that's out there right now. Yeah. Every way, both ways. It doesn't matter. It just kind of gets to a point that, um, you know, we, we got to start looking at what really matters, <laughs> not, right. um, you know, all the other, but you know, remember when we were kids, you, you, you were worried about, Hey, everybody should drive a Ford Ranger because they make them in St. Paul. And we, you know, the auto industry goes down, we lose jobs, we, whatever. I don't know where the hell those things are made anymore. Anyway, they're made by robots in Kentucky or whatever. They're made partially assembled in Mexico and, or Canada and delivered to the States. It's like, we don't have that. I mean, if, if cars don't sell the widgets that are sold to those manufacturers will obviously be affected, but a lot of those industries have already isolated themselves from having to worry about employees and, you know, and the woes of the economy because they're, they're producing a machine that produces 
widgets that they sell. And and it's a it's an interesting world that we're in now because who cares if everybody only goes down to one car? The automakers will, but on the my uncle's not getting laid off from the plant. You know what I mean? And you know anyway. Good point. I like this guy. I think that's what it's all about. You start finding the the personality uh, out of these people. But uh, uh, for our for our listener only, it's uh, it was a guy who was trying to figure out how to pretend that he was busy, and so he's showing all these different behind the scene photos of him, uh, you know, moving furniture for a seller, which was propped up by a, a stool, or taking a picture of it in a kitchen, which was in a, a studio, a cabinet studio. So it's kind of fun. Well, unfortunately, perception's reality, right? Yeah, totally. Have you ever caught anyone doing that? If we ever caught, Nick's asking if we ever caught anyone doing stuff like that. I I don't know. I mean, I know that there's, I know that there's agents that uh, use other people's listings. Um, and if you look into it, you know, a little further, they might post it or say something on social media about it. Uh, but it's, it's, they, people might think it's theirs, but it's, it's not. But Yeah. I think you, if you have a license where you can use that photograph, I mean, it's maybe you can buy that from a, you know, a Photoshop, whatever kind of site, and then you can use it. But the reality is, is that you can't just go grab somebody else's house. that's not yours and market it as, you know, the, Again, he didn't say anything. He said, make it look like you have listings. Make it look like you have listings on the way. Like, hey, check this house out. I do think a little bit of that happens, but we have to be a little bit careful with that as well because the coming soon laws and all that, you know. The one thing I was kind of curious about talking about, and I know you've been gone this week, but there's been some buzz about the um, the uh, the lawsuit that's happening against NAR with the buyer's uh, rep commission. And that they've talked about having to separate that or not offer a cooperative commission anymore on the MLS. That was the buzz this week. And uh, saying where, you know, you're going to list a property, you're going to list it for a fee. The buyer driving around has to, to have a fee that they have to pay somebody to help them. And they want it to be separated. And, and I'm like, what if people don't want to separate it? You know, what if, what if, I, you know, what if I'm an agent and I'm okay with having that in there? you know, and, or a seller. And I'm okay with paying out a buyer's rep commission because it'll make buyers, all that's going to happen. I I should say this. Initially, the people that make us separate that will offer some kind of a bonus. Like, Hey, bring us a buyer successful closing. Um, If you're under contract for 2.7, we'll still pay it for you. Um, Cause they don't, that part of the industry is kind of weird. I don't know how they can unravel all of that, but what, what do you, what's your opinion on that Rooney? I, well, I didn't know that was going on, but um, that would be interesting. What, what's NAR? What's their position on it? Well, there's NAR is the one being sued. And so yeah. they're being sued. A conglomerate of real attorneys got together and decided to say, hey, like in theory, you're not disclosing to me that I had to pay more for my house to pay my buyer's agent. Right. So they're saying and it's like it, but if you do your paperwork like we do every time before we take you out and look at a house says right on there, you're obligated to pay me 2.7% if it's not paid by the seller. It's already disclosed. It's already clear as day. People just don't read it. 
it says right in there that your obligation to me as a, as a buyer's agent is to pay me 2.7%. So if you understand that before you go shopping, you're relieved when they pay the 2.7% for you because then you don't have to finance it. You don't have to pay it in cash, pay it with, you know, traded services, whatever that might be. I mean, you know, and, and, and the IRS will hate all of that too, because now you start getting people out there shopping for houses. And let's say that, you know, I'm a car guy and I say, Hey, you help me find a house. I'll give you this $10,000 car. And all of a sudden I'll sell it to you for a dollar. And, and there'll be a lot of missed opportunities there for tax um, capture. And so I, I, I don't see how this will iron out, but it is, it's a big deal right now. No opinion. Okay. <laughs> just because I just think it's, it's all silly. I mean, when we go list a house, we list it and the commission is paid to me as a listing agent. And I determine if I want to be able to share it with someone else. I disclose that to my seller that I'm going to share it with someone else. So someone represents a buyer to be able to bring it in. What the heck is wrong with that? Nothing. And yeah. you know, a lot of commercial properties, they still charge six, seven, eight percent um, to sell commercial properties and they don't offer out a cooperative commission. They keep the full commission. So those of you buying commercial properties, usually when you hire your agent, you have to have an arrangement where you upfront know that you're going to be financing their commission on top of the purchase. So you buy a million dollar building, you might be putting another two, you know, 27,000 on top for the agent's time and effort and energy. Yep. The, 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 the divorce. Is he anticipating a new listing? Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> new listings. Yeah, you got it. That's awesome. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, All right. it is. We got some questions. Ooh, I better hit a little, a little caffeine to get oh, that's great. Here we go. Were either of you selling real estate in the 80s when the mortgage rates were double digit? I remember... Uh, my mom and dad were both in real estate at that time, uh, right around when I graduated. They were in that upper 15 to 17%. Um, but when I got into real estate, I remember that they're at 10 and a half percent is what they were. And I couldn't believe it when they got under 10. And a lot of times we paid points to be able to get to 10 or a little lower. But um, yeah, no, that's, uh, I, I remember it well. I mean, it, uh, it, hurt, it hit my mom and dad really hard. I remember that. So, yeah, you heard a lot about back then in the 80s, assumable mortgages, which nowadays a lot of people don't even understand what that is. But I'll tell you what, you have a interest rate of, you know, three, four percent. And then you go to sell your home and somebody will pay off the gap between the sale price and the amount that the mortgage is owed. And that gap sometimes can be very beneficial because now your payment's lower. They can assume the mortgage based on qualification um, that you can come in and take over that mortgage. Um, start paying the payment at that three and a half or four and a half or whatever percent. That is a huge asset for a lot of people and they don't realize they have it yet. Um, yeah, there was, there, there was mortgages that you could assume without qualifying. And then there was some that you could assume that you had to qualify, which gave the original um, seller kind of let them go free. So uh, that was, it was interesting, you know, and that's what it will come back. I'll guarantee a contract for deeds will come back. It states on every mortgage pretty much that there's a due on sale clause, meaning if I transfer my ownership, that it has to be paid off in full. 
But what people do is they just take your contract for deed. And you start, you pay me as the seller. I'm going to give you a better interest rate or I'm trying to make money. I mean, if I have a mortgage rate that's at 3% and I could charge someone 6%, not only did I sell my house for a good price, I'm also going to get, you know, uh, 3% more on my money. That maybe like I'm a, you're saying like on a contract for deed? Right. Yep. And that's going to happen. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, big time. So. So lock up the money while it's cheap? There you go. That's the thing. 30-year mortgage yeah. trust. Yeah. Okay. Okay. A thirty-year mortgage cross six point one three percent. So, uh, remember, remember when it started, Andrew? When uh, we were, they were doing, they were giving um, in two thousand after the whole thing happened in two thousand eight. I think it was around six percent, and then wasn't that when they were given that little stipend too? It was like sixty-five hundred or seventy-five hundred. And then yeah, entitled that, to buy a house. That went away. I think it was October 28th, 2010. I remember the day because I cried. I was like, it's over. We don't have any money to give away. It was, yeah. I, I remember I had so many buyers that were, it was, it was straight up chaos. They would come in with FHA three and a half percent down. Mom and dad would gift them that three and a half percent. They would lock in an interest rate of about six percent, whatever it was, and they'd buy that house and then. The federal government would give us a check up to $8,500 back on their tax returns so that they could pay mom and dad off. So they basically were buying houses with no money down. Yeah. yeah and now most of those houses have appreciated 100%. And yeah. yeah. Look, at that, that uh, look, at, look at that little stat that's going around the bottom there. 585000 at 6.13 is the same as 800000 at 3%. It's two hundred and fifteen thousand dollars difference right there. There you go. That's what's happened in, in buying power. Two hundred fifteen thousand. Yep. yep. There you go. I think that that that's a. But like like I've said this all along. I mean, who didn't refinance when rates were that cheap that wanted to refinance? I mean, they sat there at the bottom for years. I mean, my God, if you didn't take advantage of, it, you didn't want to. It's not you know. It's not like oh my wait. When did rates go to three percent? They sat there. It was dead. It was like a dead fish on the sidewalk. It started to stink after a while. And we, you and I were even talking about that, saying rates have to go up because we, we just can't sit here forever, right? A healthy market needs, you know, five, six, seven percent. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. All right. I think we're uh, getting to the end here. I think producer, I don't know. He's he's searching for something, but. Uh-oh. What, what is a producer? You can talk too. You can say something. Nope, I'm not. Just make sure to tell them to subscribe to our YouTube, re leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, uh, three digestible clips each week on Facebook and YouTube. Give us a like, thumbs up, and have a great week. We'll see you next week. See you back in the U.S. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.